0: The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Electrician's Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. I'm your host, Mike Page, Residual Current, and today I have a very special guest with me, Mark Allison from Apprentice One to One. How are you, Mark?
0: I'm really good. Cheers, Mike. Thanks very much for having me on first and foremost. It's a a proper privilege.
1: That's all right the pleasure's all mine honestly um it, it's good to get a guest like yourself on i've been trying to get you know friends and and uh exciting or inspirational people from the industry on this series i'm doing with Schneider um so yeah when i initially set out with the um the the list of ideal guests you were on there from the start mate so thanks for putting uh putting some time aside and, and coming on as well um so mark you're known for apprentice one to one for anyone who doesn't know what that is somehow (laughs) we'll we'll get that into that in a bit but you also do a lot of other stuff for industry for your own YouTube, um, and you're quite the passionate electrician. I think um, they tend to stand out, and I, I think you're certainly one of them. Um, there's a few things I want to cover today, but I think it'd only be right if we started with Apprentice One to One. So, do you want to give us, uh, you know, a quick run through of what it is, how it started, and 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 you know what it's all about, and then we can get into the into the other aspects. That I won't talk about today.
0: Yeah, sure, mate. So it started off with the old coronavirus. I think a lot of us were sat around wondering what on earth to do in, in 2020. I'd kind of put the posts out locally if anyone's having trouble with their electrics and stuff to get in touch and we'd help them out free of charge and all that. But the phone didn't ring, nothing was really happening. And um, yeah, it kind of happened by accident. Pe- people messaged through social media saying they'd lost their jobs. So apprentices, you know, not got any work are you actually employing in your business? Um, And and we managed to help a few people out in those circumstances and then it just kind of totally by accident spread beyond that. So I'd ask people in my local network, you know, are you looking for an apprentice? Are you looking to take someone on? And it just kind of spiraled and snowballed as these things sometimes tend to happen as we got a bit of success doing that word got around and other apprentices came forward through social media Um, And it was just to try and have the best impact with that, mainly using my connections on LinkedIn. I suppose there's a lot of employers over on that platform who recruit in large numbers, reaching out to them to let them know that that's a a problem that's currently going on, that these students have only got six weeks to get replaced. Otherwise, they basically have to go back to the beginning and start again. Um, Unfortunately, we got a large number of those people back into work. That's primarily what Apprentice One-to-One was at the start, just getting people back into jobs. It's kind of grown a bit beyond that through time. As other people kind of stepped in, You know, I've mentioned Eddie Clemens a few times on other podcasts and things before, but he put that test set forward to pass on to an apprentice, and then we kind of had the snowball of other people donating equipment in to pass on, be it a used set of screwdrivers or a brand new test set from... From TIS or whatever else, Schneider done it in loads of stuff into colleges, and um, yeah, it's just gone bonkers to be honest.
1: It's so good though, isn't it? And it's it's um, it's just heartwarming, really. I, I've been through the apprentice um, route myself. Um, I don't want any sympathy, but I feel like I had a terrible apprenticeship. It took a year and a half longer than it should have done. I had six tutors, three employers, um, so I know you know how tough it can be, and. I managed to muddle my way through it, but a lot of people don't. So having someone there, you know, who's, I mean, it's all online. So pretty much people get hold of you from anywhere in the UK, don't they? Um, And having that advice, that support, and even the opportunity to get back in the game or, you know, resolve an issue or whatever is brilliant mate <laughs> it's all you know just from the goodness of your heart as well which I think is so powerful um you know I've watched Apprentice one-to-one since it, it started really um because I actually I actually stumbled across you when you were first on EGTE um and I'm not sure if they sort of started at the same time or shortly after um But yeah, so I've been very much, you know, keeping my eyes on it from the start. And it's just amazing to see how selfless it is and also how many people you've helped. You were keeping count, weren't you? I remember on EGT, you used to to keep count. Have you still been keeping count of how many people you've helped?
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of was over two and a half thousand people all in all, which, you know, equates to quite a large number. But that includes people who've... Just wanting some work experience so there's people who are going through the retraining route as well and often they kind of stumble at the last hurdle people who've experienced that will know all about it but you need to kind of find a job get your portfolio filled in take your am2 and that's where that tends to fall apart employers aren't looking for people in the middle of training they either want an apprentice or they want an electrician so helped a few of those guys and girls out with experience as well um, and yeah, it's just been really nice. Even even now we get messages from lecturers thanking us for helping their students get back into work and finish their training. So that's really nice. Um, but it's still a problem, even though COVID's supposedly a thing of passed. past. I had a message just last night from a lecturer who seven of their students, all with the same employer, have lost their jobs um, in the Midlands. Um, so yeah, it's trying to link those people back up with new employers as well. Unfortunately, as Apprentice, one-to-one's grown. It's, you know, it's seen as me, but it's not. There's other people involved as well. There are employers who I can message straight away and they can help really quickly. So, you know, that's that's quite a nice thing for me to see close up, that kindness. It's actual privilege. It's not just me being nice. There's other people in there doing all this great stuff, be it sending some gear in to give away or give someone a job. And I get to see that close quarters. It is, it's amazing, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, it's really good. And just to put that into context, because to now in the world of social media, two and a half thousand views or likes or anything, it, it is, you know, it's nothing to get excited about. But two and a half thousand people in, you know, imagine trying to get them in your house or um, you know, there's 30 kids in a college class. So how many college classes have you, you know, saved? That's insane. Um you know, I, I don't know how many electricians there are. Uh, in the uk but i'd put it around you know quarter of a million or something like that um so to think that's that's one percent of of that you know that's crazy um so you should be you should be very proud because um it's it's good work it's honest work um and yeah it's people's careers people's livelihoods and it's this industry as well which i know you're super passionate about um and that can probably segue us um onto you, Mark, because like you say, Apprentice One-to-One is an amazing thing um, and and it, it is a big passion of yours, but you're also just quite passionate about the industry in general, I'd like to make that assumption. Is that right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we see the skill shortages getting shared on social media and in the, in the media all of the mm. time, and it seems to be there's a lack of action around all of that. So, yeah, I want to see improved standards within the industry. We all know there's problems there, but rather than pointing them out and moaning about them, mm. Affecting them positively is kind of my approach. So I employ apprentices in my business and um, yeah, try and encourage other people to do the same and that we build that scope of work out to give people better prospects in the future. So I was part of the panel that's recently reviewed the apprenticeship standard. So I put myself Mm -hmm. forward for that as an employer. So that's going to scope out what the electrical apprentices are going to be doing of the future. That's due to launch in September next year. I'm trying to factor in all the stuff around PV and EV and all these changes we've got in smart tech and stuff.
1: Is that effectively, sorry, like a new syllabus, is it? A new course?
0: Yeah, it kind of has a reboot every 10 or 15 years or so. And it was yeah, it was overdue. So that's been done. We've kind of put that draft forward. It's been put out for consultation. There's been feedback. I think there was something like three to 500 people who fed back in that process. And now we're sat going through all of that to try and um, make the best version of it as we can for the next apprentices who are going to start taking that course. That's
1: so cool.
0: Yeah, we need to think about the skills those people are going to need because we often moan about, you know, people can't use mineral insulated cables or or whatever else. But is that really the skills electricians need to be focusing on when we've got all this smart tech and um, PV systems and things like that? It is evolving and changing. And while we do need to keep up with these old skills, we've got to factor in a lot of the new stuff as well. It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it?
1: No, 100%. I mean, I remember doing... um, days and 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 um yeah lots of lots of practical and theory on squirrel cage motors for instance and it's you know it's it's interesting it's handy for sure I've never actually you know had to take one apart and <laughs> chill with it um but then you would go you know into an environment like you say where there's some pv or something like that I mean it's it's even more prevalent now but it even was when I was coming out of, you know my time um and you wouldn't have a clue because <laughs> You know, and I've I've come into contact with that. I've never had to take a motor apart and and you know, um, mess with the windings of it. It's generally just you wire it up, don't you? And and you know stuff like that. So it's not to say like you say that that stuff isn't valuable, but I think there's certainly a hierarchy in, yeah, cramming in as much as relevant in that time, isn't it? In college, because it's actually. Not a lot of time, I'm realising. I've been in the game 10 years. I know nothing. I'm still <laughs> learning every day. Um, so when you think the three years of college time is absolutely nothing as well, really, um, because I'm going to continue on learning for the rest of my career as long as I'm in industry. So getting as much of the of the relevant stuff in there, the important stuff, like you say, is, um, is, is uh, a good priority, I think. Um, and like you say, it's a completely different landscape now isn't it to when it was you know 10 15 20 years ago it's um it's insane how far it's how fast and how far it's come really
0: yeah it's it's like base camp isn't it your apprenticeship i see it as that it needs it's like your strong foundation to build your career off and while you're giving people prospects to get good employment off the back of it you know we want them to be earning good wages and be able to help and support industry i think we're actually at the start of a really exciting period for electricians i think the next 15 20 years there's exceptional salary with prospects job growth i think if any industry is going to do well in construction it's going to be us guys and girls so to give people that strong stable foundation to then go off and build their skills and learn more because you know i've been doing this over 25 years now and i'm still learning all this new stuff that often catches me out it's the technology side of things that you know, it's something I need to work on. So no one's ever going to get this licked and nailed down. Um, And the apprenticeship sets you on that road. It's the, it's the base camp for me.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, apart from apprentice one-to-one and um yeah the behind the scenes of the education side of things uh, you have a youtube channel don't you uh, and a successful electrical company as well so you're not you're not you know you haven't got time to spare have you <laughs> um let's make everyone aware of that but um yeah tell me or i mean i know a little bit but tell me and the listeners a little bit more about mark allison and uh power sonic as well
0: Yeah, so we're a small electrical contracting company. We're kind of family-centred, so it's a family business. Two of my sons work in the company as well. My wife works in the company. And um, yeah, we look after clients in various sizes from small domestic customers up to quite large brands that people would be aware of in the UK. So we do stuff for for IKEA and we're working with Randox, which is the COVID testing labs. Um, We look after Chains of car garages as well. And we'll still go and rewire homes in the town we, we live and work. I think it's quite important that you try and stay involved in all sectors as a contracting business. Um, so you're fluid. We're seeing that at the minute as there's a restriction in the economy in certain places. I think the domestic electricians are suffering more than more than most. So having a plenty of strings to your bow keeps you as protected as you can be from that. And that served us pretty well, actually, of, of late. And yeah, the YouTube channel is just a hobby and a passion. I started that through the podcast, actually. So through EGT, as you said, I realized that it was quite a lot of fun talking about electrical stuff and just trying to show other people what it's like to be an electrician, to try and um, maybe get into some of the school leavers' minds that this is a career that they might be interested in. Because it's not just those guys and girls in industry now. We need lots of new people coming into trades who are choosing to come here and not been sent here like I was because they weren't especially good academically you know it's it'd be nice to have people actually want to go down this road and pick it as a as a career for themselves so yeah that's the idea of the youtube stuff it's not so much about um the views and things it's nice when people do watch them you'll know that your videos explode all the time mike you're doing really well on on youtube i
1: don't know about that i'm not with the big boys but yeah i I try
0: (laughs) yeah you're doing you're doing some cracking content over on there and that's what it's all about as long as you're passionate about doing it and it's a a hobby. I think that'll always be there is when it starts to fall apart is if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you're making content to make money, I guess. And that's somewhere not where I'm taking my channel. It is just small time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I think uh, anything, if it's, if it's driven by passion and stuff, then um, there might be other you know other things to come from that, but yeah, it's if you're doing it for, I mean, you make no money doing it anyway. I I struggle to see how these full time people, you know, um, unless you're getting in excess of millions and millions of views, I really do struggle to see how um yeah these people do it, but they do um for sure. Um, but yeah, I think um the key thing there, like you say, is if it if it comes from passion. I mean, I started. It's a bit like you when you say you started your channel, I think you you get opened up and realize there is a community online of people who are just, you know, they're obviously in the industry, but they're clearly that little bit more passionate about it. They're willing to follow and, and consume electrical content outside of being at work and stuff like that. And I think when you, if you're one of those people, when you discover this community, it's very easy to jump into it with both feet, isn't it? And then you're on, you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram and you realize there's lots of people actually. Um, which is nice. I think there is a great sense of community most of the time as it's moments. (laughs) Um, But it it really is um, good to see, uh, yeah, that community and how you've, you know, intertwined Apprentice one-to-one with that as well, because it's all largely, like you say, social media based, isn't it? LinkedIn, Instagram, you're always on doing bits for um, the YouTube stuff as well, um, which is amazing. That's the power of social media, isn't it, really, is...
0: Yeah, I mean that's the challenge we've got now. We're trying to take that to a physical place. So we've actually got premises we're developing for an apprentice one-to-one academy where people can come along and take training. Um we're wow. still still getting that set up at present. And, you know, that's that's one of the things where I've always been about actually doing something that can action help rather than, you know, just talking about it. You know, it's easy to it's easy to say the right things. We can all sit and do that, but I thought, you know, if we show how difficult it is to get a training center in place, how really short of funding they all are and demonstrate that quite like, quite clearly to the community of electricians maybe it, it would result in some changes coming for those training centres because they are massively underfunded and, and yeah to support them as well so that's one of the other key things I've been trying to do with that not to take from their plate so to speak so I don't want students coming out of their colleges and whatnot to choose to come and study with us it's actually supporting them so when they've got a student who's in difficulty they've lost their employer and they might be getting thrown out of a course we can take them in with us and Keep that progression going and and see what happens. And we've been fortunate to have colleges around the country reach out to offer and help with that as well in their physical premises. So some exciting stuff coming there, but we're still a, a bit of time away.
1: Yeah, I love that. That is that is brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I bet you're gonna, you know, you're gonna do some real good work there too. I think um, on top of everything you're doing, and like you say, it's a real unique. Um, like yeah i couldn't imagine losing your employer and being told you've got six weeks to find a new one or yeah all that hard work and i mean i hated my college to be honest i i I am the most obsessed person with industry now but when i was going through my apprenticeship i really couldn't care less it was i didn't even really want to continue doing it you know (laughs) Um, which is insane when i look at you know who i am now as a person i suppose but um yeah if i was two years in and got told, yeah, because I had three employers. Um, and luckily, I mean, I my brother-in-law was putting me through the college side of things. But I was self-employed as an apprentice, so I never actually worked for him. But every time they would do the on-site assessments, I'd take a day off and go work for him. <laughs> um, and he was like a domestic one-man band, and I worked for like commercial industrial outfits. Um, so I actually didn't have a clue a lot of the time when they were coming to assess <laughs> me because, you know, I hadn't. Um, I didn't do my first rewire until I, wo- I left and worked for him full-time once I was qualified. So um, yeah, if if you luckily I had him as like a a thing to get me through because my original employer didn't want they wanted an apprentice with no strings attached which i think is quite common as well they didn't want to put me through college or anything like that they just wanted the cheap labor um but yeah if if i didn't have that and yeah i I went through three employers i guess maybe i would have been in the same situation i couldn't imagine being told yeah all that time you've got to do it again or or you lose it you know and there's a lot of people I know with fractured apprenticeships to be fair the more I get into industry I find out people who never quite finished or they they had two goes at it and stuff like that so I think it's quite a lot more common than you would think wouldn't you
0: it's really common there's lots of people who've either missed off the am2 or they've not quite completed their portfolios or, or like you've said they've had that um apprenticeship that's been completed but they maybe haven't had the full range of training that should have been included with that is the nicest way of saying it and there is real issues out there in training and with employers as well you know like you said there's a lot of employers who just want cheap labor or they want some agency labor that they're not committing to long term i think there needs to be a total mind shift i think the latest test report from earlier this year showed there was thirteen thousand apprentices recruited at the start of 2021 um, and that's just nothing like enough for what industry needs. What, what's the solution to that? The colleges are saying that they're full already. They don't have the funding to train any more students and the employers aren't hiring them. The industry saying we need them. So those equations don't seem to match out into reality. This needs to be a, a shift in mindset, I think, among employers and an acceptance from government that we need to see some real funding. They, they say a lot of nice things but when you look at the grants that are available now to employers, it's only a £1,000 for someone who's aged 16 to 18. All the COVID support's now gone away, um, and the college fundering is still set based on stuff that was agreed 10 years ago. And you look at the rising costs of everything now, which is obviously an extreme scale of things, um, yeah, it's it's not set up in the a w- way to achieve success, it, the way I look at it. It's kind of doomed to fail more than it can, can work. If you look at the numbers coming into a college at the start, and then you look at those people who make it out the end, you know, the percentage of that is very small. Lots of people drop out along the way for various reasons. And we need to really get honest about that and fix it rather than just keep fudging our way through things.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I felt like through my college experience and and at um, at the firm I used to work at, I was quite um, fortunate to see many apprentices actually um, through their college uh, experience as well. And I used to love that, you know. T- taking the time with them slowing down even though you get moaned at for maybe not getting everything done you should do taking the time to teach them and stuff like that I'd always try and do that as, as best as I could but um, it seems like the colleges are they're not sure of, of a few Bob but I don't know if it always gets put into the trade sectors for instance Ellsbury College is um, big on its media it's big on its business and it's big on its um, like tech stuff Um, And then you you went into the electrical department and we're, we're swapping chairs with the plumbing department and there's not enough tablets and, you know, there's, oh, no, we need to go to, we haven't got enough cable and, you know, old fuse boards and stuff like that. Um, but then in the coding department, there's, you know, 50 IMAX on the, on the table, you know? So sometimes it felt a bit like that. And I think there's also a bit of a stigma. It's getting a lot better now. But when I left school, it was very much a trade was almost looked down upon. You want to get into something techie. You want to get into something coding or, or graphic design or, or, all you know, loads of these things. And it was always like trading was like, oh, you, you're going to get a trade, you know? Oh, Okay um that's how I felt anyway and then um really I think growing up uh, trade's one of the best things you can do you know it's respected it's skilled you're never going to be short of work um and yeah you can do things that a lot of people you know can imagine to do you know so it shouldn't be looked down upon but I don't know if the same stigma is maybe around funding as well um and detention as well you know um i feel like some people just sort of think the construction industry will just keep going you know oh it'll be all right and it won't you know um it really won't there's a lot of um there's a lot of resources as well that go into the construction sector education, but around, not around practical roles. I feel like now as well, there's a lot of, you know, design and, and analysis and, and, and project management, you know, qualifications that you can do now apprentice, um, apprentice roles and stuff like that. And yet, you know, like you say, people are struggling to get an electrical apprenticeship. You can do an apprenticeship where they teach you to run a site, but there's going to be you know, electricians on it, you know?
0: <laughs> that is exactly it. And, you know, it's it's one of those where we need to properly get serious about it. And it, thanks to people like Schneider who send this gear into colleges, you know, you saw they put a post out not long ago, do any centres need equipment? And they, they have their hands bitten off. They're desperate for the basics. Like you said, shortage of chairs and, and clips and cable and accessories to actually work with and practice. It's a huge problem. And the centralised funding of it all probably doesn't help. You know, we do need to realise the funding that's set to these things comes from government, and it is from over 10 years ago. Um, and quite how that factors out into teaching students is, is beyond my knowledge, to be honest. But it's it's not right at the moment. It's not turning up at the coalface to help train and support electricians. Um, and, yeah, something has got to change drastically as, as you've said, there's the industry's huge. There's loads of areas you can go off and work in this trade. Do you want to do programming or whatever else? You can do all of that. You know, we've got to get serious about it all and actually put the effort into getting funding in the right place to transform colleges. And it's not just the equipment they're using, it's the salaries for the lecturers as well because they don't see the, the end result of that. You see the job roles that are advertised. They don't pay nothing like enough. You're not going to attract electricians into those teaching environments. Um, it, it's just not realistic. So
1: That's something that... I, I'm quite passionate about um, creating educational content and stuff like that. I would nowhere near be prepared to go into an educational role, but I have looked at it, you know, uh, just out of interest. And yeah, it's not enticing. I don't want to come across disrespectful to people doing that fair play, but like, yeah, to go from the money you can earn out in industry, which obviously you have to work hard for that money, of course, but um, you have to work hard, to, you know, in a classroom full of 30, 16-year-olds trying to teach them this stuff too. And it doesn't correlate, like you say, it's not incentivized uh, nowhere near as much as it should be, um, especially when it's going to be the next generation of electricians, you know, how are you going to get the best sparks teaching when, you no, know, <laughs> it don't. there's no incentive, you know, it's that's a, a great point, I think.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely an issue. And I think they're seeing that in training centres from what I've heard. They're, they're struggling to recruit at the minute. They're not filling the the roles as it is. So it's something that needs attention. And it all just ties back into the apprenticeship and the funding that's allocated to it. So there's a lot of specialist training companies out there that look after just electricians. And, and they're saying they can't fund themselves adequately at the moment. And um, yeah, that's something that needs sorting out. And the same, the same with the um, issue of students coming into the colleges as well. They're saying that, you know, we, we can't afford to transport ourselves around on apprenticeship wages. So there's the the financial implications for everybody at the minute. There's often been a complaint I moaned when I was an apprentice about what I earned and it was nothing like enough. I think it was 45 quid a week at the time. But, you know, you see the costs rising for public transport and fuel bills and all the rest of it. Um, I think the industry needs to start getting a bit real with things um, and it all boils down to funding and finance. And if we are really serious about having this skills crisis solved, it takes time. There's no fast solution to it. I think everyone wants a magic flick of the switch and all of a sudden we'll have an extra 20,000 qualified apprentices and all these installs will be perfect and buttoned up lovely. But it doesn't happen like that. It's going to take five to 10 years. It's going to take a lot of money, patience with training, investing in apprentices and working slowly.
1: And if anything industries regressed as well it it, because of the you know like you say the skills crisis so that might even make it take even longer you know um people always say oh you know there's not the same pride taken and and this and that and i think that's quite subjective to be fair um but it's easily said but um yeah if the if the training aspect the the way these people are embarking on their journey is shambles then what can you expect when they come out of their time and they're thrown out into the real world, you know? Um, And, and if anything, I think industry, you know, people who say, Oh, industry's going down the pan. I don't think it is nowhere near, but I do think the training side of things has seriously affected. um, Yeah. Just general, the general skill level, I think is maybe a little bit lower Uh, The general pride level is probably a little bit lower. Um, And like you say, once you start trying to solve these problems at a source, it's not going to be a snap of fingers anyway. And I think, if anything, we've got to make up for some some regression as well on top of that, you know, Um, which will take, yeah, like you say, decades.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And then highlighting some of the good things that are out there. I don't want to harp on about just the bad stuff. There's some incredible colleges out there and they've featured – on social media and we also need to be mindful a lot of people don't go on social media to complain about stuff so i am aware of that and apprentice wants people people coming to me with problems more than successes so i see a lot of the bad stuff and not so much of the good stuff so there is like you said some rationale needed on all of that it might not be quite as terrible as as i think it is but yeah it doesn't look good at times let's just let's say that
1: (laughs) yeah i think you you see a lot of the reality of it though because you immerse yourselves into it as it's very easy to just you know just think just ignore it, you know I, I think that's the problem if anything, I think it doesn't get neglected. so a bit of reality goes a long way, I think, and I think it's good that you do bring that to everyone's attention. Um, yeah it, it's um it's a interesting time, but i think I think it's on the up. I think it's never been a better time to be an electrician whether that's from, um, yeah, the prospects of the future. Um, like you said, I don't think we're going to be short of work. Everything's intertwined with it now um and it's there's more developments technology developments that require some form of electricity whether it's you know whatever sector you're in domestic commercial industrial specialist sectors um so i think yeah it's never been a better time and yeah there's a whole community now online of you know people who are just passionate about what they do people making it cool people making it funny i can't um yeah, say that like, I add to any of that. But um yeah, you know, there's there's people helping people like yourself, Mark. Um, you know, where you where 10 years ago you'd be in a sticky situation in your apprenticeship and you would have no one to help you. And now I think that it's so powerful that you can jump online, apprentice one-to-one, and yeah, get advice, get support, get a new job, get a new placement. I think that's that's amazing. Um, do you think it will turn around?
0: Yeah, I think, it, I think it will. I think it's got to because of where we're going in terms of industry. I think that you're seeing a lot more regulation around stuff because of worries in the national grid and at a DNO level, and we're already having to notify our EV jobs and we're having the OZEV reports and all of these audits and things. I think we're going to see a lot more um observation of our industry the gas industry had it didn't they when they had to go through the gas safe registration it became a protected title and all the legal obligations around gas appliances i think as we now move into this time of um electrical energy driving most of what we do quite literally that there is going to be a lot more monitoring of that and we're going to have to raise our standards to make sure we can fulfill that but it is a it is a it is a journey of these things and um usually when government are involved in stuff it doesn't always pan out as it should so I'll, I'll <laughs> But yeah, we see that we see that with the OSEF reports as a, as a business. We install loads of EV gear. And for those people who are out there doing it, they will sympathize on that basis of putting your forms in for your grants and um, forms in before you can even do your work sometimes to notify the And then having the worry of an audit coming back where you've maybe misunderstood how a product works and the financial implications of that. It's already starting to happen. So we're going to have to up our games regardless. Solar and PV and battery storage is just going to add to that. So, yeah, I think I think we will get there. We'll be forced to, whether we like it or not. Um, but it, it's going to involve uh, an investment of money. We'll be the consumers doing that. I think there's going to be a lot of spending on equipment and um, gear because of the energy crisis and wanting to um, protect ourselves from that. I think we're going to see massive investment on that front, and that'll trickle into the electrical industry. You know, you're talking about billions of pounds that are spent in our industry every year. It's huge when you actually look at it. The vast amounts of money flowing around there. But unfortunately... Not a lot of not enough of that, in my opinion, ends up in the pockets of those people who put a lot of this stuff on the wall. And um, that's something we need to work on as well.
1: For sure. Something something you touched on there as well, which is um something I like to talk about a lot because I think it needs to happen, is the whole gas safe model um and, and the protected title. That need do you agree that needs to happen for electricians in in the next 10 to
0: 15 years? definitely i think up in scotland is it select or sect i, I getting mixed up who they are but i think they're pushing or they have already done that where they've got the protected um title in for an electrician you know when basically anyone can rock up to someone's front door and say they're an electrician you don't need any qualifications or anything there's no protection for a consumer or for us as qualified trades people i think that's just silly i think that has to change there are schemes in our industry so there'll be those people who are familiar with the joint industry board and their grading scheme the spark safe as well who have a license to practice which is a, a system that's over in ireland and it's coming over to the to the mainland so there's that as well um but yeah i think we're on that journey now i hope it doesn't take what normally has to happen um where there's a death or a serious accident before these things are actually implemented we saw it with part p and um the the sad death of that young lady at the time so yeah it seems to be reactionary all the time i think we need to get ahead of the curve on that and it's something that has to happen like you said
1: yeah i don't know if it'll be an overnight thing i think there's maybe too many um i mean it's getting quite (laughs) quite deep but yeah i think there's too many um large influences out there that will slow it down but yeah you know the gas safe model i um i got asked to go get some fittings for a new my my best friend who's a plumber and newly gas qualified. And for some reason he, he wasn't used to it at the time either. I think he should have known, but he said, oh, can you just grab these fittings as well on your way? And I went in there, asked for these, just these uh, like elbows for this boiler, nothing to do really with the boiler. And they asked for my gas safe card. And I said, no, and I said, oh, can I get him to send me a picture of his? They said, no, <laughs> you know, you need to turn up with your number and it gets tied to the invoice. Um, and I think that's amazing, you know, (laughs) but when are you going to tell, um, I won't name anyone, but when are you going to tell big DIY store, whatever that, you know, you've got to take all this stuff off the shelves, you know, how's that going to go down? So I think stuff like that will be tough, but that I think is the way it should go. It will stop the race to the bottom. It will, it will help people's, um, pockets and bank accounts for sure. People respect it a lot more as well um and yeah you know the fact that you can't just walk into any shop and and buy stuff and do stuff i think is very important and you can't do it with gas um and yeah electric is dangerous just as gas is, and it's a skilled thing
0: it's the battery aspect of these things that I think will drive it. If you think of the the ten kilowatt batteries that you're going to yeah. potentially put in someone's homes, and you know we've all seen the videos of um, cars on fire and yeah. even battery drills where the batteries are exploding and stuff. Um, you know, to yeah. have a consumer to be able to just order that to their front door. Um, and put it into service is a frightening thought to be honest and,
1: and want to go into island mode
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you gotta make sure you're doing that properly <laughs>
0: exactly and it, it's scary that that's allowed to happen quite legally at the minute um i think there has to be some changes i don't know quite how that would ever be implemented i guess that that needs to come from those people driving industry i guess it, the cps's or the eca gib whatever Someone's got to give there
1: yeah no i would love to see it though i think it's been long overdue and like you say now uh when you put into pers- uh, perspective like that sorry um that's crazy like you say yeah someone's ordered their battery storage system set of screwdrivers and <laughs> they're watching a few videos or something and uh, yeah they're having to pop it in themselves that can go horribly wrong
0: you know they will do it that would that will be a thing
1: yeah well it's rife now you know obviously it might just be a socket or it might just be a new light but you know people are you know um, and there's some quite good diy installs but that doesn't really mean it's okay either you know um there's a reason why this stuff is standardized and you know skilled persons is is a term you know it's because it, it people can get hurt it can be dangerous and stuff needs to be insured and and yeah you, you can't ensure someone's, well, you can, but you can't ensure someone's life enough to bring it back. And yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's when you put it like that, I think it's going to drive change. It really should. Uh, when you look at this whole prosumerism um, and, and everything from that aspect, it's got to, hasn't it? Um. It's going to be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they've got the government involved with all of this now as well. So there is going to be some changes. I think we'll be forced to make them. You saw it with the CPSs when they were encouraged to make some changes after after Grenfell. I think um there'll be more of that because that's what's ultimately resulted in the EAS document changes. So if you're aware of that, but all of the, the short course training and stuff basically has been stopped because of that. And that's as a byproduct of what came out of the the Grenfell inquiries. Um there's been a big uplift in accountability and responsibility and standards and training within all construction sectors. Um and yeah, I think we'll get driven to that point whether we want to or not.
1: Yeah, no, I wasn't aware specifically, but I did hear short courses have come to an end. Or was there have they stopped now? There was like a deadline, wasn't there, of like when they had to stop offering them. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so basically if you've gone through those training routes and you're already with a CPS, they're not going to boot you out. Um, But if you're now wanting to to enrol with them, you basically need to have your MBQ and your AM2, the other courses that existed before.
1: That's it. So you you can still
0: do the courses, can't
1: you? But they're not a, a... Uh, entry requirement for the cps schemes
0: basically yeah yeah or, or your jib gold cards or anything else like that they're basically not a, a qualification that's going to be
1: which as a byproduct will devalue the course i suppose
0: yeah most most training providers have stopped running them now i think there's one or two
1: which is interesting isn't it <laughs> they're not doing it for the knowledge are they
0: <laughs> no they've all swapped over to the experienced worker courses now to try and mop up those Guys and girls, we've had that short cost training, I guess. And as long as the gaps are properly filled and they get the right training, then that's all well and good. But the, the worry is that that isn't what's going to happen. Um, we'll have to see through the forms of time.
1: It was abused before, wasn't it? Um, terribly. So yeah, it's uh, like you say, we have to see. We have to see. That's a that's a good move, though. That is a, that is a, a massive win, I think, for for the industry as well. Um, and yeah, one that a lot of people are talking about, but yeah, not enough, I don't think. Um, but yeah, that's 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 good to hear that. Um,
0: it's a positive change. I think we are on that journey. I've said this a few times in other podcasts that I do feel like we're starting to make the right changes. We've had this period of well, we've all seen a lot of these problems and complained about them I and mean, it seemed like industry weren't really interested or listening and, and whether they're doing it by choice or because they've got to, I don't really know. But it, it does seem like we're getting there now. We're going on that upward curve. We're seeing changes in the quality of training, the qualifications that are needed to be electricians um, and other such things as that. So I do feel like we've turned a corner and we're on that upward climb, but it's just a slow process.
1: Yeah. So something else I'd love to pick your brains on because um, it's something I've discussed uh, with Craig. I mean, you know, Craig and, and other friends and colleagues is, do you think that maybe in, in not anytime soon, but in 20 years time or more, the, the electrical apprenticeship route? I mean, it's happening with domestic, uh, you know, they're talking about domestic apprenticeship, aren't they? Um, and they, they've put forward a proposal flat and the domestic gold card. Do you think it will actually be subdivided into sector, um, like you know, commercial, industrial, um, domestic, or even fire? um, Yeah, renewables, you know, that sort of stuff, containment and
0: it's an interesting point and that's actually one of the things we spoke about in the development of the new electrical apprenticeship standard there was kind of deciding what to call that
1: Mm. you know what's
0: a suitable name because the domestic electrician is happening that's going forward Mm -hmm. and i think that's a good thing because it is a big sector and there is some bespoke training for that and as long as it's kind of yeah really documented what that is and the gold card is for that and people understand that at a client side i think that's all well and good but we do need to be careful that we're not putting ourselves in a position where clients are asking, well, what is an electrician? Which of you guys and girls out there are electricians now? Are you a a fire installer? Are you an EV specialist? You know, what actually are you? And we had the discussion if we were going to split out maintenance and installation electricians, because at the minute there's two separate frameworks where you can specialize as a maintenance electrician or an installation electrician. And the decision has been made to kind of combine that into just one route as an electrician. And the training's delivered in the same way and it all that that is different now is the maintenance electricians have the different site log books and their grading on their gold cards still says, will still say a maintenance electrician. But the underpinning theory side of the training they'll have been given is exactly the same if you're an installation.
1: So they're, so they're fit for fit for
0: yeah I think you need that my opinion is you need that base camp of electricians apprenticeship and training and then people go off and specialize after that if you're going into the EV sector or you're going into I don't know complex stuff or whatever you want to do you get that training afterwards.
1: And it should be yeah, strings to your bow that maybe go on your, your card after. Exactly. Yeah, for sure.
0: But I think with the domestic side of things, I think that was a change that, that did need to be made, made because it is such a vast industry. And like you said, fitting all that into four years as a alongside a normal electrical apprenticeship is really difficult when you're going to be training people to work on roofs and with battery storage systems and, and smart homes and things. It's- the best example
1: is, you know i was actually quite fortunate with my portfolio you know i don't know what it's like now but there was this seven of the ten system so you, so you have to install uh, seven of the ten connect seven of the ten cable types and then the same with containment although i think it was just install uh, with the containment um and i breezed it you know because i was doing pvc metal tube trunking a tray you know um, and the same with the cable types, FP, armored, SY, singles, you know, easy. But one of the ones I couldn't tick off was T&E and, <laughs> um, and, and, and meter tails, you know, because um, they would sort of, um, they would blag the cable code, basically, because although it's singles, you know, it's it's insulated and sheathed, isn't it? So they'd, they'd drop it down as another cable type. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't do those. And yet the majority of my class were like stumped because they're like, right, I've got T&E. Um, I might be able to do some armoured if I speak to so-and-so and and I've got meter tails. um, And, you know, where are you getting the other six from, you know? And and containment, well, I've done cable clips. (laughs) What else, you know? So it'd be a nightmare for him and it just shows that it's not a it's not just one tick sheet for everyone. You know, it's just not one, it's not one size fits all.
0: You had the opposite problem, as you've said there to lots of other people in that you could do all of the harder, careful types for your employer than, than most people are getting access to. But yeah, it's one of the things that people come to Apprentice one-to-one about. Can we get a bit of experience with another employer so we can go off and work in these different things and finish our portfolio? I mean, the ECA do a secondment process for that so employers can swap their staff to help them I know, but cover the different areas and we've helped people with that in apprentice one-to-one as well but yeah it's, it's a problem for employers a lot of employers are excluded from taking on apprentices because um training providers are supposed to do an assessment at the start and if they don't cover those cable types and work environments they can't enroll their staff as electrical apprentices it doesn't always happen like that and they will enroll them anyway and kind of help them get through but there, there is a lot of appren- um, employers sorry who have come forward through apprentice one-to-one saying you know i'd love to take someone on but i've been told we can't because we only work in the domestic sector so i think if you found an employer who is specific to that area and you've got a person who wants to train specifically in that area what what's the harm they can then benefit from apprentice training they're going to have that three-year it's program like, seems like more red
1: tape than you know actual <laughs> progress doesn't it
0: yeah, and then you get the crossover units in place. So If someone wants to go and be a full installation electrician like you are, Mike, and start working off on commercial stuff you get that support and you go through the training and you evidence that as well as long as that's done properly i don't see an issue with it to be honest but i don't think we should be subdividing too much more than that there was talk before of breaking out installation side of things into containment so you'll have containment electricians and then testing electricians and um, and wiring electricians or whatever you want to call it i think that's silly i think you need that base camp and knowledge where you can turn your hand to pretty much anything once you've had a bit of a, a brush up shall we say because we're not all going to remain experts at that kind of stuff but you know how to do it you can pick it up and, and run with it
1: and maybe have additional modules that are you know not like the not just like random unaccredited courses but official courses that tie in with the syllabus maybe that if you do want to uh i know people people you know they want to do their two three nine one um because they they want it they want the the extra money they 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 want to progress but a lot of it as well is oh yeah you know i want it on the back of my gold card it's a sense of pride you know so i'm sure if you said like here's a here's a fully fledged containment module because again in college you do a bit of containment but no one tells you how to hang tray (laughs) you know a different different ladder and and you know the unistruct trapezes and stuff like that and that's what you're expected to do tube you know again you do it on the boards and stuff but conduit is really um i went into the commercial industrial world and i didn't have a clue and i'd done all my conduit modules so i think it would really benefit from that and then if you can slap on a you know containment accredited on the back of a gold card and that means that you'll be able to show that to a potential employer or potential contractor and they go yeah cool he's got the skills to do this perfect um it could also maybe negotiate better rates you know if you've got a lot of boxes ticked on the back of yours if you're willing to go further you might be able to demand a higher day rate i think that that'd be amazing you know it's like uh, it's like leveling up your character in a game you know it's, it's like a good way of doing it but we'll see i suppose you know we'll see
0: no absolutely i think you've hit on something there and it's to do with the value in our training i think too often we see people who are electricians doing 2391 and doing regs courses and it's seen a Anyone can get these. So if it's written on the back of a card, it it doesn't really mean anything. We've seen it with the EV qualification. They've kind of rolled that back and scrapped it now. And they've put forward these new qualifications where there's going to be one for installing electricians in the domestic sector, those who deal with commercial stuff and and management. And they're, they're all different now. And the actual electrician one, the JIB, have said they're happy to put on the back of the gold card because the entry requirement to that course is you must be a practicing electrician at the equivalent standard of having an MBQ and AM2. You can't just rock up as a, as a post person or whatever you want to call them and take your EV course and start knocking EV charges on the wall because that's what was happening.
1: That's terrible.
0: That cost was then worthless. We then go and try and show that to an employer, and he's like, yeah, but, mate, I've had five people in the door this morning. They've all got it, and they're not even electricians. So why do you show me that for?
1: You say that. I On my 2391, um I... I um, fully immersed myself into it. I loved it, you know, <laughs> but I'm next to a guy who does that. Uh, he's a data network installer, not electrician, hasn't got a Scooby. He knows Live Neutral earth. That's about it. Never touched a multifunction tester before in his life. Um, and after three days, I plucked up the confidence to not, I didn't want to be mean to him, of course, you know, he's a really nice guy actually. Um, but I said, you know, what are you doing here though? Because, my the last four three years of my career has been a mountain to this moment you know my 2391 Uh, maybe I'm, I'm a bit more passionate than the average person maybe but it has you know it was always right go do your 2391 when you're ready and And, you know, uh, it was almost like a rite of passage for me. And I'm sat next to this guy who's never picked up an MFT. And he said, well, my company, you know, we install comms cabinets, we do data and stuff. And sometimes we get asked to put in a socket for them and we have to sign that off. And I'm just sat there like, this is insane. (laughs) I'm trying to like, you know, I want to get the approval to sign off complete electrical installations. And this guy hasn't got any electrical knowledge. He installs data and he wants to be able to sign off a socket and we're doing the same course. You know, he didn't get through it, um, which is good. I would have been more annoyed if he did. Not any disrespect to him again, but I just don't think that would be a red flag for me, um, just to put it bluntly, if he if we both walked out of our certificates. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and that's a, a you know, just another example, I suppose, like you were saying this stuff anyone can walk through the door can't they and anyone can walk out of it <laughs> it
0: happens it happens when i was on my 2391 this was back in the early 2000s
1: it was harder then though wasn't it was that when it was written still
0: well suppose i've done both versions it was different i'm going to stay <laughs> neutral on that one but the um the 50 percent of the class were not electricians and it used to really annoy me back then it's even worse i think now when you know mattie's been done his recently i think he said he was one of three electricians out of twelve on his course, um, people from different industries and some of them do get through and pass. And it's only from speaking with Craig. You mentioned Craig. He was he's telling me if you look on City and Guild's website, it actually says on there that they're supposed to be Um, working electricians but it's desirable rather than an actual instruction and that's why they changed the ev one that's now changed from desired to being instructed that they must be electricians i think those changes are going to come to 2391 and some of the other courses as well Uh, it's fair enough if people want some knowledge around our industry and they want to know how to test and inspect but let's make some courses for them that are clearly defined as that and keep hours for electricians so we can demonstrate our competence so people who are hiring us are going to see the value in that i think we're eroding our trade by letting that happen and it's gone on for probably 15 20 years now and it needs to stop
1: yeah if it's a qualification for electricians it should be the door should only be open for electricians and like you say if you want to offer a one day informative course for someone who's maybe in a i don't know a contracts manager uh you know who looks after loads of buildings right they need to know what the electricians are saying to them they need to know the certification and stuff they probably don't need to know nuts and bolts and 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 methods but maybe offer them a one-day thing which will give them an understanding of the jargon that people like me and you are saying to them and so that they can do their job fully Mm. but yeah that doesn't then allow them to get credited with a cps scheme and start doing weekend (laughs) weekend socket installs or whatever yeah um no that's a good way of putting it is the thing is though is it does make you wonder because in an hour we've made quite a lot of sense i would like to think (laughs) and it's it's not the way it is though is it um but yeah it's interesting
0: yeah, there's a lot of egos, I think, out in wider industry within all of these organisations and they often spend so long banging their heads together and arguing with each other that pretty much nothing ever changes. Um, but like I said, I think that is that is a, a mind shift that's taken place at the top table of industry. I think there is a, a shift now. It seems that the CPSs are working together. Some of the other bodies, people who are familiar with in industry, are all kind of pulling in the same direction. So It's,
1: it's not standing still, it seems like now. It seems like it is moving
0: Yeah, I think in the past there's been those clashes, but I think it's unfair on the people working in those places now to apportion that on them. I think there's a genuine effort to improve things for electricians at the coalface. I do actually believe that. Um, Whether it pans out to be true, time will tell. We'll see in five years' time.
1: (laughs) I'm sure we'll still be here, mate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. You will be. 50-50 50 50 for me you will be. <laughs>
1: nah, you'll be you'll be here mate um i expect to see you and apprentice one-to-one um yeah long into the future um it's, it's amazing, and um, yeah, I hope it keeps going from strength to strength because it's um, yeah, it's helping so many people, mate, and it, and it really is amazing. Um, is there anything about? I think Apprentice one to one's amazing. We're getting almost to our time limit. Is there anything you mentioned the the training location potentially coming? Is there anything else with Apprentice one to one that you want to talk about? If not, how can people find you, and what are the usual? Things that you can help with again, just let people know.
0: So, we've got the website, which is just apprentice121.co.uk. Obviously, there's the Instagram account, which is primarily where people reach out for help and support. There's my LinkedIn profile as well. And that's for um, an employer, an apprentice, or anyone who wants to offer some support to either of those two parties, trainers as well. Um, we have actually got some courses running soon to do with first aid and mental health first aid. So they're going to be free for people who follow the Apprentice One-to-One community. So watch out for a podcast dropping on that soon if this has come out before that actually happens. Probably. <laughs> yeah, we're offering some some places. I think it's 16 places. First course is over in Manchester. It's a five-day thing. And you can come along and have some first aid training and some mental health, health first aid training. But yeah, otherwise, just find me on the socials. I'm here to help if I can. And um, cheers, Mike, for taking the time to speak with me. It's an absolute pleasure. And, you know, your content speaks for itself. I think you do more for this industry than you give credit for, to be honest. Um, Your presentation and stuff is actually inspiring. I give it a go, some of this cinematic stuff, but I'm terrible at it. It looked horrendous. So what you're putting out, mate, full credit to you. It's awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure as well. Just put in uh, the industry to rights almost. Um, <laughs> I feel like I could talk to you all day, Mark, um, but it wouldn't make for an interesting podcast. <laughs> Nine hours in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you very much um interesting food for thought as well um and yeah what you're doing with apprentice one-to-one is amazing um i'll try and push schneider to put all of mark's links in the uh, show notes as well so check them out for direct links Uh, i'll put the links to power sonic and his um his other youtube channels as well because he does loads of stuff on them too and uh, yeah thank you very much for your time mark thanks everyone listening we'll catch you on the next one
0: Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying this show, please leave a review. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes.